You're listening to the Mzanzi Wako podcast. Hi, I'm Lucy Kluver. I'm Professor of Child and Family Social Work at Oxford University and at the University of Cape Town. I started by asking Lucy how they came to this research. Well, one of the first ways that we thought about this study was when we were doing a much larger national survey of children in South Africa um, between 2009 and 2012. And, and during that study, there was a little girl who was 12 years old. Her name was Boniswe, and, um, and she was unable to take her, her ART medication. And the study team really tried to support her, and ultimately, unfortunately, she, she passed away. And this really made us think about the immediate and urgent need to understand how we can better help teenagers living with HIV to take their ART and to lead the happy and healthy lives that, that they actually can do. I asked Lucy why it was important to look at these children during their teenage years. You know, there's something about being a teenager that seems to be linked to HIV healthcare going horribly wrong. And no one really understands why. But the evidence and, and the um, experiences of clinicians around Africa and also globally shows that, that kids do relatively well on antiretroviral medication. But as we move through adolescence, something goes wrong. And so this was a real interest. And, and of course, during adolescence, then there's a whole range of other things which are starting to be risked. You're becoming more interested in romance. You're starting to become sexually active. And so your risks are also not just of yourself becoming ill, but also of passing on the virus. And so it really seemed like a crucial age to look at. And also, you know, this is new stuff. But we're having, Africa is now having its first generation of, of adolescents who are perinatally infected and treated from birth and who are growing up to be teenagers. You know, sometimes you just have to see what's coming and, and try and try and get the evidence there to support people who are who are working to help them. Lucy speaks there about a young girl that they could not help. But did the research find simple and straightforward ways that could have helped in that case? Absolutely. If we look just at adherence to medication, we find that over a two year period, less than a third of our HIV positive teenagers are able to consistently take their their antiretroviral medication. It's really tough for them. And the, the reasons why it's tougher are not necessarily just because they're teenagers and, and, you know, teenagers do a lot of things that we don't want them to do. But it also seems to be really closely related to poverty, inability to pay their transport fees to get to the, to the clinic, being exposed to violence. So, so um, the combination of four different types of violence that was being hit at home, being hit by your teacher, having your, your parents hitting each other at home and being shouted at in the clinic, increased rates of, of non-adherence from around 20% to around 70% of these teenagers. And so we found some really clear things that could improve their capacity to stay in their healthcare and to take their ART. And those included um, going to a support group, having enough to eat and having a caregiver at home who monitored them and knew what they were doing. And we found that with none of those three, um, around 55% of them couldn't take their ART in the last week. But with all three of those together, 
that went down to, to under 20%. So a really good sign that we can do things in the community that can support them. We also looked at things specifically in the healthcare centre. And this was something that our colleagues at the Department of Health asked us to look at because they're really keen to find out how they can better support these, these kind of mystery teenagers. And we found five factors that really increased their capacity to retain in ART care. We found that um, and th these factors came to an acronym STACK. So we found that if the clinics were stocked with enough medication, if the staff had enough time for, their for teenagers, if they were accompanied to the clinic, if they had enough cash to get to clinic, if, and if the staff were kind to them when they got to clinic, that we could increase rates of adherence from around, of retention and care from around 3% to 70%. So there really are things that can be done that can improve, improve these outcomes for teenagers. And of course, alone as workers found really simple and clear things that we can do to improve their sexual and reproductive health. Were you surprised at the soft science that came forward, the aspects of nurturing and support that these individuals needed? No, it wasn't surprising because we've seen this over and over again, especially in, in HIV care. The temptation is to get focused on the drugs and the medication and getting the, the exact treatment right. And all of that is absolutely crucial for these teenagers. We're not denying that. But we also know that um, and we really saw from the qualitative work that the, these teenagers' experience of taking their medication is not about the clinic. It's about the whole rest of their lives that they experience. And so we see that the challenges in their lives impact their capacity to take their medication, but also the positive, supportive things in their lives can, can increase their, their resilience to this. We also find that this links really directly to the, to the new development agenda that, that the world is seeing, which is the Sustainable Development Goals. And so we actually looked at whether access to key Sustainable Development Goal targets could reduce mortality risk for teenagers. So we looked at viral failure and symptomatic untreated tuberculosis. And we saw that the rates of, of, of this mortality risk sharply reduced when teenagers had access to basic necessities, to a grant, to someone in their household working and to protection from child abuse. So it's really, it's really clear that this isn't about soft science. This is about a new development agenda that can benefit adolescents living with HIV. And what was the link between staying in school and getting a better education? We're absolutely looking at the education of adolescents living with HIV. So one thing that we found really clearly is that not just being affected by, by HIV, but being HIV positive and a teenage mother really impacts your capacity to, to maintain an education. So we see that teenagers who are um, not mothers, whether they're HIV positive or not, around 10% of them aren't enrolled in school. But if you become a mother and you're not HIV positive, that goes up to around 28%. But if you're a, a mother who's a teenager and you're HIV positive, then 45% of them are not enrolled in school. So we're really seeing that something dangerous is going on for these teenage girls in terms of risk to their future capacity for their careers and their, and their education. And we still haven't been able to look at what can provide solutions for that, but that's a really key next step.
When this research started out, it was a few core members and the team has grown substantially. How did you go about finding the people for the research? You know what? I think that when something absolutely clearly needs to be done, then good people will come and do it. And that's what we see. We've had amazing people come. They come as volunteers. They come as students. They come as staff members. Um, and we've been really, really lucky. We have the most incredible field team who go out every day in the rain, in the sun, who walk through dangerous townships and difficult rural areas with no roads and rains and floods. And, and they go out there every day and they talk to teenagers about their lives. And they hear really difficult things. And they and the whole team do it because we know that this is worth doing. This study spans a number of years. Through those years, did the research evolve as time went on? Or did the research stay with a few core questions? You know what? We've only just finished cleaning the year two data. Um, and we've just finished collecting the year three data. And I think that now is the time when we're starting to look at more and more of these questions. But this is a group of teenagers who we know so little about that the great challenge is going to be finding it out as fast as possible and getting that information out to those people who are developing programs and delivering frontline services. So, yes, we started with two key questions about adherence and sexual and reproductive health. There are a million important questions about these teenagers, their mental health, their education, their social lives, their romance, their how they feel about themselves. And that is all all for us and is now our responsibility to, to find out and get out. They started as young adolescents that nobody knew anything about and they're going into young adulthood and now we know a lot more about them. We hope to know a lot about. And one thing that's really exciting, led by Alona Tosca, is a, a new study which will be able to track our teenagers over the next 10 or 20 years and look at their, their clinical outcomes over time as they become adults. And that no one has ever done before, and it will be really unique and exciting. And she's leading that and, and, um, and conceptualized it. So what happens now with the Mzanzi Wako? We've got an exciting new project um, called Hey Baby, which is um, really taking this further to look at the, the teenage girls who are both HIV positive and young mothers. And they're a group, again, that we know nothing about. And so we're really excited working directly with UNICEF to, um, and, and with the Department of Health and Social Development and Education and SANAC to really find out how we can better help them to lead great and successful lives, not just for them, but for their children too. I asked Professor Lucy Kluver about the overall importance of this research. When I started as a social worker in South Africa in the early 2000s, we didn't have any ART at all. And everyone, parents and grandparents and children and teenagers, was, were dying. And then our government introduced antiretrovirals and governments all over Africa started providing ART to our HIV-positive teenagers and children. And we watched them live. We watched these changes where people who had no chance suddenly had the chance of a real happy, fulfilled life. 
And I think that that is the, the importance of this study, that these teenagers deserve a life as good as everyone else's. And in order to make that happen, we need evidence. And we need really high-quality, scientific, robust evidence that follows them over time so it's not just a snapshot. And also evidence that doesn't just reach the kids who happen to be in the clinic, but the kids who are not in clinic, the ones who dropped out, the ones who are not attending. And so that is what this study hopes to provide for the world. It will provide the data and the science and the social science that will allow us to do better for these kids because they deserve it.